We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. Fun episode as we look ahead to the 49ers Week 5 matchup against the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. We chatted with Kyle Odegaard. He works for Compare.bet, but prior to that, he was with the Arizona Cardinals for eight years uh, working for the team, he still lives down in Arizona and follows the team extremely closely. Super good chat with him, a deep dive on what they're doing differently this year on both sides of the ball that has allowed them to start their season 4-0. and But before that, we get into our pick six where we, Chris and I, pick six, by the way, is what we named the segment, where Chris and I each pick three players that we think are going to have a big game for the 49ers. And it also looks like Trey Lance is going to start on Sunday. And we'll talk about why. Let's get into it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. It's Thursday at 5.10 Pacific time. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't practice again. And barring, I don't want to call it a miracle, but it seems very likely that Trey Lance is going to get his first NFL start on Sunday. Yeah, I would agree. And, and it seemed to be shaping up that way, really starting. I mean, once he got hurt and after the game on Sunday against the Seahawks, when he said, you know, it's probably going to be multiple weeks you know, that makes you think he's not going to play against Arizona, obviously. And then the MRI on Monday sort of said that, well, it's not as bad as maybe Jimmy initially thought. We'll see on Wednesday. He doesn't practice Wednesday. We'll see on Thursday. He doesn't practice Thursday. Typically, particularly in this situation, when you would have to develop very different game plans, whether you were starting Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, like, it just doesn't seem likely that Kyle Shanahan would develop a game plan for both guys and then throw Jimmy Garoppolo in there after Trey Lance gets all those practice reps and potentially working on a Trey Lance specific game plan. Like it, that just doesn't really track. And so Kyle Shanahan went on a radio station today and said that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to give it, he's going to give it a shot in terms of practicing on Friday, but you know, like, when the issue is Jimmy Garoppolo being unable to plant off his right leg, which is what we saw last year when he was coming off the high ankle sprain against the Dolphins, or when he played against the Dolphins with the high ankle sprain, he clearly couldn't push off his throws, right, um, to make his throws. And so that's sort of a similar situation he's in right now is that it's his right calf. He mentioned what, after he was getting hurt, he couldn't push off that leg and power his throws. So all these factors sort of indicate to me that it's going to be Trey Lance. And I, frankly, I would be very surprised if it's not Trey Lance. And can I give you my theory? Yeah, let's hear it. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo went in for testing immediately after the game. And the doctor said, well, it's not your Achilles. 
And because Garoppolo probably said it was moving down toward the Achilles. Doctor says it's not an Achilles, but he probably strained it. You're probably looking at it a couple of weeks. And so when he got asked in the presser, hey, is it your Achilles? I think our guy Cam Inman asked him. And he went, no, I don't think it's that. I'm hopeful it's just a couple of weeks or something. Like I'm guessing he had just heard that. Like Again, total yeah. speculation. But players never say that. Whenever you ask George Kittle, hey, how's the calf feel? He goes, feel great. Could play again tomorrow if I needed to. Right. Like that's how players respond to that type of thing. Not like, yo, I'll probably be out a couple weeks. It's <laughs> yeah, I'll agree. It's a little it's different for a quarterback, though, because like if Jimmy Garoppolo is like, yeah, hundred percent good enough to play, and then he goes out and plays and can't throw, like can't power his throws because he has no base, like that it but would he look but, different. But they don't have to, he's just talking to the media immediately after oh, yeah, the game. Yeah. yeah, no, I know. Yeah, so I mean, it just, you have the bye after this Arizona game. So irrespective of where Trey Lance is and whether or not he takes the job away from Jimmy Garoppolo, I just feel like it would kind of be malpracticed on Kyle Shanahan's part if Trey Lance gets all the starting reps Monday, or sorry, Wednesday and Thursday, and then doesn't play on Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. To me, like there just isn't logic there particularly with the context of what happened in that Dolphins game last year, particularly yeah. with the bye next week where you could potentially give Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo two weeks to heal. And then you could reevaluate the situation um, ahead of the, the Colts game coming off of the bye. So I think all signs are pointing to Trey Lance and, and, you know, we'll see. Maybe by the time people listen to this, there, there will be some sort of announcement. What Kyle Shanahan did say was that, you know, there's he's not going to rule out Jimmy Garoppolo until the doctors rule him out. And it's like, you know, does if even if the doctors don't rule him out, like, do you really want to play a hobble Jimmy Garoppolo against, you know, an undefeated team that's that's forcing a lot of turnovers right now? You know, like, I just I just don't see it. So I'm expecting Trey Lance to play. And there are statistical reasons, too. Right. I mean, like Trey Lance didn't look great Sunday, but what we've said or what, what our argument has always been like, if you're developing Trey Lance, the only way you do that is, is get him to play because you're not developing him on the practice field as a backup. So for me, this is like the perfect situation for the 49ers because they can start Trey Lance in week five under the pretense that Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt. You know, yeah. like you said, that Miami game was a disaster last year. They were trying to avoid that. They figured this has been Kyle Shanahan doesn't even have to move off his message of we're going to do what gives us the best chance to win. It's Trey Lance versus an injured Jimmy Garoppolo. So they put Lance in in week five. If he doesn't play well or looks kind of roughly like he did against the Seahawks, they can then take the bye week. And if Garoppolo is healthy, put him back in and say, hey, we're Jimmy's still the starter. He's still QB one. And, you know, they sit Lance because he needs more time. But if Lance goes in and kicks ass against Arizona and looks great, now they can go into the bye week going, all right, again, staying on message for Kyle Shanahan, going with the quarterback that gives us the best chance to win. He can now look and go, look, Trey Lance beat the previously undefeated Arizona Cardinals or looked great against Arizona. We right. think he now gives us the best chance to win. And there doesn't have to be this whole, you know, oh, Garoppolo wasn't playing well or, oh, that's it was it. It's just, yeah, he got hurt. This is why they brought Lance in, was yeah. to insulate themselves from this injury. And again, I, nobody was rooting for Jimmy Garoppolo to get hurt. But if the 49ers were going to draw it up, having a situation where Garoppolo is going to be unavailable for a week to give Lance a chance to get his feet wet, like that's ideal. Yeah, I, I think for Kyle Shanahan too, in a way, like Kyle Shanahan never wanted this to be a quarterback controversy. And he right. basically has said as much. And so this is sort of a way to allow the transition to happen naturally. Right. Like it the the I think the thing that always made the most sense, even I mean, despite, you know, my opinion has always been play Trey Lance from the jump. But a, a thing that made sense in terms of eventually transitioning is just letting it play out, right? Because 
there's a, there was always a reasonable chance that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to get hurt and you were going to have to play Trey Lance. Or conversely, there was there was a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo would play himself out of the lineup if he had a game where, you know, he threw two pick sixes or whatever. And, the, and it was a must win game like, you know, at, at week five isn't a must win game against Arizona, but it's certainly a huge game, particularly after dropping two in a row to two potential playoff teams in the NFC at home. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has played well enough to really earn the benefit of the doubt in terms of like, yeah, his job is absolutely secure here. Right. Those, like no matter how well Trey Lance plays on Sunday, like if Trey Lance plays well and Kyle Shanahan does not keep him as a starting quarterback then what are we doing, right? Like, what is the point of, of everything that Kyle Shanahan did in the offseason in terms of trying to find a replacement? Because now Shanahan has a justifiable means of of making the switch and finding a replacement. So two numbers or a couple of things that I want to point out to you. I was I was looking around pro football focus and, and some of their quarterback stats. Like, among quarterbacks to start four games, Jimmy Garoppolo has the second worst turnover worthy play percentage under pressure, right? So when he's pressured, he's very susceptible to making a turnover worthy throw, right? Obviously bad. And we knew Jimmy Garoppolo, that was a penchant for it, but the, the numbers are backing it up. He's pro football focuses 38th highest graded quarterback on throws longer than 20 yards downfield, which isn't good. It's compounded by the fact that he's 31st in attempts. So he's two of seven on throws longer than 20 yards downfield. And one of the things, you know, obviously the 49ers running game has been problematic. I think one of the reasons the 49ers running game has been problematic is because defenses are overloading to stop the run because they're not worried about Jimmy Garoppolo pushing the ball downfield. And some of that has to do with his receivers. Obviously, Brandon Ayuk not getting off to the start that the 49ers had hoped for would be part of it. George Kittle being hurt has been a part of it. Um, you know, the running game injuries have been a part of it with the running backs. Uh, they should get some help this week with Elijah Mitchell coming back. Um, spoiler alert for the pick six, potentially. We, we don't know our picks yet, but I think Elijah Mitchell is, is going to be somebody both of us consider. Um, so point being, like, Injuries aside, Jimmy Garoppolo has not played in a way that that makes him untouchable right now in terms of like who your totally. starter is. Yeah. No matter how Trey Lance looked on Sunday, like I tend to think that was a really tough spot for a rookie backup to go in and play, given how different the game plans are going to be between right. Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo going in. But so giving Trey Lance a full week now, um, I think it's I, I think there's a chance it looks dramatically different for Trey Lance in a positive way on Sunday against the Cardinals and it did um, against the Seahawks last week. So one of the interesting things that, that Kyle Shanahan said in his press conference on, was it Wednesday? Yeah. He said, let me pull up the quote here. I had it and then I lost it. Nope. I don't want it in my Google drive. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Uh, I think it was huge for him I think it was huge for him to having all that time where he could just go play quarterback and do some other cards, some other defenses and not really get tied down to learning what's in that day. And I thought that was interesting in terms of the benefit of Lance playing and playing in a game and not needing to, because before that he's talking about what, goes into a practice on Wednesday and what goes into a practice on Thursday and what goes, it's all about installing the game plan, learning the game plan and figuring out how to execute. And Lance got into a spot last week where he could just play. He didn't have to worry about, we got to run this defense or we got to run this play this way or whatever it was. And so that'll be interesting to see if, if he improves against Arizona and he shows market improvement because he's playing it becomes very very difficult and i think this is kind of what you were saying it becomes very difficult then to justify sitting him if he's showing you in front of everybody that he's gotten better just in playing six quarters and that's that's what i'm most interested to watch yeah and a lot of that too is just getting all of the reps during 
the week of practice. Totally. Because and, and having a game plan designed for him. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, as the backup and Kyle Shanahan's basically he said Kyle Shanahan in the same press conference you're mentioning yesterday, Wednesday, said that Trey Lance has been getting roughly the same amount of reps as a normal backup quarterback would, which is not many. Right. So mm-hmm. Trey Lance went into that game only getting a very few amount of practice reps during the week. And it's like, all right, well, let's let's see a game plan tailored to Trey Lance. Let's see him work within that game plan the entire week of practice. That's like 60 reps, probably. Right. 60 yeah. to like 75 reps, 11 on 11 that he would be getting as opposed to like running the scout team and impersonating the, the opposing quarterback uh, for that week. So. Yeah, I, I think it's good. There's a chance it, it looks dramatically different. And so, um, yeah, I'm expecting Lance to play. And I'm, I'm it's going to be fascinating, too, because I, and I'm writing about it for the B. It'll probably be up Sunday in, in our game preview. But like we're going to learn a lot about Kyle Shanahan this week in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, like we know he's really good offensively, but like we don't know how good he is at picking quarterbacks. Right. Like we totally. see him pass on a lot of good ones and then settle on Jimmy Garoppolo and then try to find a bunch of replacements. Like one, like is Trey Lance the guy? Are there going to be signs that Trey Lance is the guy on Sunday? Is Kyle Shanahan going to develop a plan that makes sense? And can he develop Lance quickly enough to put together a game plan that's like, you know, you got to go beat the last undefeated team in the NFL coming off a huge win against the Rams on the road with arguably the leading MVP candidate in the league right now in Kyle yeah. Murray. Um, so, you know, I, and irrespective of what happens again, like, I think, I think there's a good chance that the offense plays pretty well with Trey Lance at quarterback. I don't know that that necessarily means the 49ers win because I don't know if the 49ers are going to be able to defend Kyler Murray, but like, I, I think, given all of the unknowns and all of the unscouted stuff you can run with Trey Lance, I think the offense has a chance to, to look much more dynamic than it has in the first four games when it's, you know, sputtered and started and stopped with Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback. Yeah. I, if for no other reason, I'm, I'm personally for me, selfishly hoping it's Lance because I just want to see what it looks like. What what is the 49 like just because we've talked about it ad nauseum since the draft? Like, what's this like? We'd finally get a real look at it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I'm looking forward to. Whether he's the starter moving forward, I I, I care less about than exactly what a Trey Lance led offense looks on looks like on Sunday. So on that note, let's get into the pick six. That's what we've decided to name the segment where you pick three players. I pick three players. Six total total players. That's why it's called a pick six. Three plus three. Stay with me now. Equals six. So thanks, Chris. So uh, you pick first this week. Okay. We didn't recap last week just because there was way too much other stuff going on. Yeah. But I think you won because I had Elijah Mitchell who didn't play. So congrats on the victory. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that was <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Um, All right. So I was thinking about different ways to approach this because like you don't it's it's very easy to fall in the trap of like. Pick Fred Warner because Fred Warner is good and Fred Warner is going to have a good game like that. You know, that's easy. I kind of want to do something like with just my picks and maybe this is a little bit hipster of me, but like the 49ers need it. this guy to have a good game. To win, not that not not necessarily predicting that that player is going to be good, but like they need this guy to be good in order to win, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Which Did you read than... my post of exactly this at NinersWire.com? No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. My apologies. What it's oh, okay. It's the first one you've missed in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't, uh, actually don't give yeah, it away ahead. because I I want to make these picks organically off the top of my head. Yeah. No, um, for sure. Don't steal my ideas. You know, we've talked about Trey Lance. Why don't I just pick Trey Lance? Because yeah, obviously, thank God, geez. If he's if he's going to start, and the 49ers are going to win, they're going to need Trey Lance to be good. So I don't know that I, I can't predict quarterback play is, is important. 
quarterback play is important. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I, there there isn't a whole lot of analysis here. The Niners need Trey Lance to play well. If they're we did the analysis scared. already. Trey yeah. Lance, they're going to be able. They're going to be. They're they're their rushing attack should be better, so they should hold the ball longer, which means Kyler Murray's on the sideline. Can they control the football while also scoring upwards of 30 points? And limiting Arizona's big plays and maybe taking the ball away for the first time since week one. Yeah. That would be good for them. It would be huge. That's the biggest. um, And the player who has their lone takeaway this season is on IR. Yes. Dre Greenlaw, which is tough. Tough scene. All right. Second. I'm going to go with, because I can't get this image out of my head when I think of 49ers and Cardinals. It was D Ford wreaking havoc in Arizona on Halloween night in 2019, where I think he had, I think he had uh, a horse collar penalty at one point because he pulled Kyler Murray down from behind, but he was just in the backfield a lot and a guy with that kind of speed, even if he's not as fast as he was um, a player with his explosiveness and speed off the edge, I think is going to be really important um, in terms of keeping Kyler Murray in the pocket. And if he does get outside the pocket can D Ford, you know, at least hurry him. I don't think Ford's going to run him down, but can Ford at least hurry him. Um, he had a, uh, a couple sacks last week against against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. I think he can have a similar impact against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And I think if the 49ers defense is going to shut, you know, I don't think you're going to shut Kyler Murray down, but limit what he does. I think D Ford would play a significant role in that. So I'm picking Ford. Okay. I'm going with a super hipster pick. Um, and this is just, again, under the line of thinking that the 49ers need this guy to be good. Yeah. I like that um, angle a lot better. Yeah, so I'm going to take Aziz Alshire. Da, he was in my post. <laughs> well, I didn't read it, so I don't just I'm not cheating. Um, Aziz Alshire is going to have to make plays in in space, right? Like he's going to he's going to have to tackle Kyler Murray one-on-one with no one else around him on 3rd and 10 when he's trying to scramble and whether or not he makes that tackle or Kyler Murray breaks it and gets the first down could be crucial to the outcome of the game, right? If we, if we think it's close, um, you have, you know, Chase Edmonds, uh, who's good. You have Rondale Moore, who's probably going to be in the slot some. And and we've seen, you know, Aziz Alshire in the slot, like last week against DK Metcalf didn't go great. Um, but I think Alshire has gotten Weird. a lot better. And I think he's, he's a starting caliber linebacker. He's got good speed. Um, he needs to tackle in space, like I said. But like for the 49ers to to win this game, I think it's it's going to require a strong game from Aziz. Um, so I'm making him my second pick, just because like if he's if he's missing tackles and you know he's not filling the proper lanes in the running game and he's not covering guys in the slot like he needs to, then it's going to be really hard for the 49ers to win. And we know Fred Warner's good and all that. And the pass rushers are good, obviously, but like they, there can't be any leaks against Kyler Murray. And so yep. that's why I think Aziz is a really important player. I agree completely. And you can read about why at NinersWire.com. So promotion <laughs> no, at one, its finest. one of the, one of the things that jumps out to me is, is, is week one against Detroit. Al Shire was everywhere and he made a yeah. huge third down stop on TJ Hawkinson. Uh, when, when the lions were trying to tie the game, uh, on their final drive, he flew over, he hit Hawkinson, dislodged the ball to bring up the fourth down. And he was just kind of all over the place, making plays near the line of scrimmage. I think he has to have a similar game. I'm completely with you. Are, uh, are the Seahawks lime or electric green, whatever those things are, are those the worst action uniforms in sports? Action they green, are, of course. Obviously, it's action green. I don't know what I was thinking. Are they the worst uniforms in sports? They are horrible. And I am the most open-minded, like, yeah, dude, do weird stuff with your uniforms. They're ugly. Like, here's, and let me, here's how 
the Astros uniforms from the 1970s with the yeah. rainbow stripes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the tequila sunrise uniforms. Yeah, exactly. Um, the the Buccaneers creamsicle uniforms. Like I'm in on yeah. all of those, but whatever it is the Seahawks are doing with those action green uniforms, the only action they need to take is getting rid of them ASAP. Shots fired. <laughs> Boom. Roasted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get like the, the Russell Wilson, Russell. Wilson. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you behind that grain of rice. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> the, uh, the, I mean, the, the color's bad enough, like, but it's, I guess, borderline acceptable when it's just the Jersey and like blue pants and blue socks, they're going action, green Jersey, action, green pants, action, green socks. It's bad. Anyway, back to pick six or pick three, since we've already done three. The socks is a is a tough scene with that. It's like just oh, it's really bad. Uh, number four, I'm going to stick with the defense. We've this is fourth pick, and we've gotten three guys on defense. Okay, I'm going with Jaquaski Tart. Kwaski. Not only be Kwaski. I've got Kwaski here for you, Chris. <laughs> I think that. His ability to play near the line of scrimmage is going to be significant in this game because of all the players that Arizona has running around in the second level. But also when Kyler Murray gets outside, can Tart get downhill and drop him for a gain of three or four instead of a gain of 13 or 14? No. no, I think he's going to be big there and in coverage down the field. We saw him with a big pass breakup against Philadelphia. I think that the Niners are going to have to use him more um, it, down the field, especially when, when Murray gets into those scramble plays where receivers are running all over the place and he just uncorks a bomb. I feel like we see three or four of those a week. That's where Tart is going to be. And that ability to play you know, down near the line of scrimmage but also have the athleticism to play up high He's gonna he's going to have to be a factor for the 49ers and maybe even come up with an interception. I'm well, not going not as bold crazy. as you and and predicting a Kwaski pick, but I do think if the 49ers are gonna win, we're gonna see one or two plays from Jaquaski Tart down the field. They have to force turnovers to win. They need to get they at least at least one. I think they need like, two. Bare minimum. Yeah, they need they need two to win the game. And and Murray will give him shots. Like he throws interceptions. But I mean, what Murray does, and I mentioned this in the interview with, with Kyle uh coming up here, but like what Murray does that really impresses me is he uses his mobility to get to spots on the field where he can make big throws downfield. Right? It's not like it's not like he's scrambling just to scramble. It's like he'll move away from pressure set his feet and then layer a ball between three defenders to his guy. And it's like, Holy cow. Like yeah. that's, that's really tough to defend. And so that, yeah, uh, Kwaski is going to be super important. Um, all right. I'm going to go with, God, I'm, I'm taking a running back. Oh, I think I, I'm going to go with Elijah Mitchell again, Ooh. not under the vein, not, not under the prediction that he's going to have a big game, but under the guys that he needs to have a big game for the 49ers to win. Um, Mitchell's missed the last two games with a shoulder injury. Obviously the running game has not been the same though. It did get going against Seattle a little bit with Trey Sermon. I think they need the speed element to unlock everything they do from a window dressing perspective, guys going in different directions and play action and play fakes and all those things. The speed that Mitchell has is a dynamic that they that they can't replicate, especially with Raheem Mostert out. Right? Um, I mean, yep. Raheem Mostert's speed is really what they can't replicate at all. But their only chance is Elijah Mitchell, and and him being hurt, I think, has impacted the running game a lot. So, if Trey Lance is going to be successful, I think it's going to include like, I mean, the Niners are probably going in hoping they can run the ball like forty or forty five times which means like 15 for Sermon, 15 for Mitchell, and 15 for Lance, potentially. Um, So I think Mitchell is going to be key here because his speed makes him a potential to – like he can break a 60-yard run. 
right? Like Trey mm-hmm. Sermon probably isn't, Trey Lance probably isn't, but like Mitchell is a guy who potentially could. Um, so I'm taking him with my, where are we at? That's my third and final pick. So we got one left for you. I'm deciding you decided between running backs and we talked, I want to bring up Trey Sermon because you posited on this pod that Sermon might've been drafted like specifically to play in an offense with Trey Lance. Yeah. Which made me think you might go Sermon, but I agree with your take on, on Mitchell Sermon might have a better game, but Mitchell needs to play well. I think, I think that's, I think that's right. Out of the receivers, again, this is one of those things where I think Debo Samuel is going to have a big game. He's 490 receiving yards, leads the league through four weeks. But I think Brandon Ayuk is the player who needs to show up for San Francisco because there are one of the things that was that really stood out for me about, about Lance was his ability to escape the pocket when it collapsed and then get horizontal to try and give his receivers a chance to get open. And Ted Wynn wrote about this in The Athletic, and I thought it was a really good point that when Lance was scrambling, the receivers weren't scrambling with him. Yeah. Because they weren't, they, they, they just hadn't had a lot of time in a scenario where he was doing that. So I think a full week of practice where, you know, you can work on that stuff, that stuff that you can do a scramble drill, Hey, run this play. And then Lance is going to scramble out and you, you, you work back towards the football. Ayuk is the type of player who has the explosiveness to be the Tyler Lockett or Doug Baldwin in those scenarios where to pick two Seahawks where Lance gets outside the pocket and Ayuk explodes up the field with nobody back there where Lance can just use his arm to get Ayuk the football, you know, 40, 50 yards down the field with yeah. nobody around him. So that's going to be really important. And I think a key part of the 49ers passing game, you know, obviously completing the short throws is going to be big. That's something that Lance didn't do against Seattle. That's the easy ones. They got to have them. But on those scramble plays, can you turn those plays from would-be sacks to huge gains, to chunk plays? Right. And I think Ayuk is going to be one of the key players in doing that. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the pod, but I have a a reckless speculation theory about Brandon Ayuk. Oh, Um, speculation sensation. Yeah. So, and I don't know if there's anything to this or not. Um, but Brandon Ayuk did get off to a really good start in training camp and he was making a handful of catches every day that, you know, I talked about it on this pod, like Ayuk looks like he might potentially be a, potentially be a star. Right. And then, you know, he had a couple drops in the first preseason game and he, um, you know, got hurt and then got off to a slow start to the season. It Brandon Ayuk was peaking at about the same time. Trey Lance was peaking early in training camp when it was like, oh, Trey Lance might really push Jimmy Garoppolo to for the starting job. Brandon Ayuk worked out with Trey Lance a lot uh, between the spring program and training camp. Now, if I were to recklessly speculate, I would say, which why else which, would we have a podcast? Which, yeah, this is that's a podcast is what we're doing. And again, I'm not reporting anything like this, or or you know, I'm just pointing out you're guessing i'm guessing that you know brandon Ayuk was peaking at the same time trey lance was and then brandon Ayuk sort of came down a little bit at the same time it became more apparent that jimmy garoppolo had a strong grasp on the starting job so i'm not saying that brandon Ayuk would have preferred trey lance to start or that there's some sort of like drama there but like it wouldn't put it this way with that context in mind. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If Brandon Ayuk took his game to a different level with Trey Lance at quarterback, because those two had built a relationship working together off the field and, and might have more chemistry than Jimmy Garoppolo did with, with Ayuk. And again, reckless, reckless speculation, but I, you know, I think, I think it's notable to point out that like, Brandon Ayuk was catching a lot of Trey Lance's passes when Trey Lance was off to that hot start in training camp. For whatever it's worth. Fascinating. FWIW. If, if, 
if Brandon Ayuk has like eight catches for 115 yards and two touchdowns, I'm just going to say that you're right. <laughs> okay. Well, it's something that's worth asking. Like, hey, questions Brandon, were, worth were you, asking. Were you kind of bummed that like trade didn't win the starting job? And, you know, did, did your play reflect that? Was that part of like the whole little rut you were in? It's fair to ask. Oh, man. Maybe that's why he got in the doghouse or n- not in the doghouse. Yeah. I mean, whatever it was. Because he got mad. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah. This is how conspiracy theories are made, Chris. Yeah. That's, it's, I mean, it's, it's part of the podcast medium is just recklessly speculating. So Shout, I want to throw I, the caveat out there that this is all reckless speculation. But, you know, I don't think it's the worst theory in the world, do you? We haven't no 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 there are far worse conspiracy theories but at the same time we haven't had a blog pick up something that was said on the podcast and you know Mm. put in without context and this is our first real chance to have something like that happen don't don't you run a website that could aggregate stuff like if it wanted to (laughs) (laughs) Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, not <laughs> reporting, but speculating. No, we haven't. I don't think we have been aggregated. No, we definitely haven't. Uh, I don't think we're there yet, but I think that's a that's a benchmark that we have to get to as a podcast. That's when you know you've made it when like, Absolutely. that's what happens with the big podcasters is like someone says something yeah. and then like, oh, oh, gosh, the blogosphere is blowing up because kyle madsen said something about trey lance like that would be I, that would be a nice benchmark for us Shout yeah I'm not, i don't think i've been there before aggregating is i'm i am an aggregator yeah <laughs> it is what it is i think that's the best way to describe aggregating it just is what it is totally so you've got trey lance aziz alshire and elijah mitchell need to have big games for the 49ers all uh that's my my hipster team pick for the week I think um, two of those three were on my list for what it's worth. Okay. And then I have D Ford, Jaquaski Tart. I got Jaquaski for you. And uh, Brandon Ayuk on my list. Uh, one that, that was, on my, was on my list on Niners Wire was Daniel Brunskill. And yeah. Brunskill hasn't necessarily been bad, like by league standards. He's given up nine pressures this year in 161 pass blocking snaps, according to pro football focus. Like that's not, that's not bad. He's, he's not given up a sack yet, but he needs to be more consistent. And especially as a run blocker, like that's been the big thing. They're going to line JJ Watt up against him probably. Yeah. Yeah. JJ Watt's playing more on the interior than he is on the edge this year. I and you're probably going to get some two man games with Chandler Jones and JJ Watt against Mike McGlinchey and Brunskill because the right side of the 49ers offensive line is significantly worse than the left side. So I I posted this on on Twitter yesterday. The 49ers have given up 28 pressures, 12 of them are Tomlinson, Williams, and Mack, 16 belong to McGlinchey and Brunskill. According again, according to PFF, but, but that's not, that's not putting that right side up against the rest of the NFL, because there's a bunch of dudes in the NFL who have given up like 15 plus pressures already. Yeah. But in comparison with their entire offensive line, if there's a weak spot, it is that right side. But that being said, it's been pretty good for the most part. Well, you have four first round picks and a guy who came from the AAF. Which is, you know, basically the Which first. Which is Dan, Daniel Brunsko. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah no, I, mean, I, I they, they they sh- they should be good, and they've they've been pretty good for the most part. Uh, Trent Williams, in particular, has just been excellent. He's good, and he's. It looks like from a news a, a news perspective, Trent Williams is probably going to play. He was a full full participant in practice Thursday. He sat out Wednesday. He had the shoulder injury that he got carted carted off from. Um, so I think he's fine. I, I think Kyle Shanahan said on a uh, radio station that Williams is a go for Sunday. Okay, good. We already got that. So, 
Has yeah. that been aggregated? It has. Yeah. And it's about to get aggregated again as soon as our podcast is over. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. All, um, right. all right. Chris, uh, appreciate it. Let's bring in Kyle Odegaard and uh, talk some 49ers Cardinals. 49ers football is finally back. It's in full swing. And maybe you want to get out to a game. Well, there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. That's right. Put the Google away. Put the Ask Jeeves away or whatever search engine you're using. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one that you will ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did, and it's brilliant, they got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. You know where you find these super cheap tickets, but then all the service fees end up costing more than the actual ticket? Yeah, none of that with TickPick. It allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. And if you don't believe it, if you can find a better price for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. So the 49ers are on the road in week five. They're off week six, but then check this out. Week seven at home, Sunday night football in the Bison Bowl, as Chris named it. Trey Lance against Carson Wentz is a very real possibility, and you're going to want to be in Levi Stadium for that. It's Sunday night football. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there. The atmosphere at Levi Stadium for night games, if you haven't experienced it yet, you need to because it's unbelievable. I know Chris will be there in the press box. I'll be there in the press box. And when it, when that stadium gets rocking, the press box shakes a little bit. And yeah, it's a little scary, but it's also awesome. So, so visit tickpick.com slash candlestick today and use the promo code candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. We'll see you at Levi Stadium. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Kyle Odegaard is here. He worked for the Cardinals, lives in Arizona. Now he's an editor at compare.bet. Kyle, thanks so much for hopping on with us. I know you got stuff to get to and and carving time out of your your busy evening to to chat with us. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I got to go see Mary Poppins. (laughs) Excellent. And so one of, honestly, like, one of my favorite, I, I know you're seeing a, a play version of it, but uh, one of the Disney movies that I consumed as an adult that I liked a lot more as an adult than I did as I was a kid. It's a great story. I enjoyed it a lot. 
I actually Harry haven't Potter seen Potter. it uh, since I was a kid, so the the play will be fun. And yeah, it's 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 a classic movie. Anyways, let's talk football. Uh, sorry, I had to get my cat out of his food. Um, the Arizona Cardinals are good this year. What's different than last year? So the big thing to me is the the passing game. Where last season it felt like they made plays, but it was more sporadic. Like when Kyler Murray dropped back and did a five step drop, seven step drop, and scanned the field, they weren't great especially like in the intermediate passing game, which is kind of your bread and butter. But now they're awesome at it. And I think he's averaging 9.9 yards per pass attempt, which is like MVP level football. So the the big thing to me is the way their passing game has grown. Obviously, Kyler Murray is electric with his legs, but now the fact that they can throw the ball and run it and the defense has improved. I mean, everything's really come together for them. So one thing that's really interesting to me about this team is the defense and sort of, you know, Byron Murphy and Isaiah Simmons taking those big leaps and and the addition of J.J. Watt seems to be paying dividends early on. What's it, it seems to me like that that was one of the biggest things coming into the season when looking at Arizona, like what's going to be the difference between Arizona being um, sort of a middling team, which they were last year, and being a, a potential contender. And it seems like the defense is getting there. What are the differences in the defense that, that you've seen so far through four games? Yeah, so I think Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, did a fantastic job last season. It was a little bit smoke and mirrors because you can tell the talent level has really gone up this season. Like you mentioned, some of those guys, Isaiah Simmons is playing really well. Byron Murphy has, has taken a big step. Jalen Thompson, the safety, is doing a nice job. So I think they're a lot more talented this season. And also Vance Joseph continues to scheme it well. I think he's a very underrated coach doing a nice job. But I think the the depth of the defense is just something that is noticeable where they don't have a bunch of weak links like they did in the past. Their run defense isn't great, but I don't think that's a big deal in the NFL. I feel like if you stop the pass – that's what matters. And they're doing a great job of that. Like the cornerback situation was the big concern heading into the season. And then Malcolm Butler abruptly retired. And despite that, like their, their pass defense is number three, according to football outsiders. So it's been a real, real pleasant surprise for the Cardinals. How much does their pass rush do you think have to have to do with that? Cause that's something with the 49ers, they built their defense kind of front to back and they try and piece together a secondary that, you know, is good, but doesn't necessarily need to be like an elite top level group. Do you think that's something that the, the Cardinals kind of do as well? Like their, their front helps out uh, the back end with, with Chandler Jones and JJ Watt um, and those guys. So I think that was definitely the plan when you look at the personnel and certainly in the season opener against the Titans, that's when Chandler Jones went nuts had five sacks. He was dominant. The last three games, I don't think the pass rush has been exceptional. And really, it's been mostly the back-end guys who have really stepped up. And Isaiah Simmons and the safety duo of Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, I really can't talk about those three enough because I think they cover up a lot of issues um, because of their coverage ability. I think all three are good in coverage and good, good tacklers in space. So I think they have a really high baseline of talent in their back seven and the cornerbacks have really held up so far. Now we'll see if that stays moving forward because there's still questions beyond Byron Murphy, but yeah, I think, I think they want the pass rush to lead the way. I don't think it necessarily has so far. It's been good, but not great, but I think you do have to give credit to those defensive backs too. So Kyler Murray, I think we all sort of knew that, he had the type of talent, particularly after week one of last year, when he made a lot of plays down the stretch and that surprising uh, win over the 49ers that Arizona had in, in that opener. But one thing looking at Kyle Murray's numbers, and you can see this when you watch him play too, is just how effective he is at throwing the ball deep downfield. He's completing 73% of his throws, uh, albeit on 18 attempts, but of passes traveling over 20 yards, um, he's just been really effective. And, and I think one of the things like with watching him is just his mobility allows him to get to spots where he's comfortable making those plays downfield. And I guess when you're outside the pocket and a threat to run, that probably impacts the way opposing defenses are covering their guys, knowing that Murray might be 
capable of scrambling for, say, a third and 16 conversion like he did last week against the Rams. But just in your opinion, as somebody who's watched all of Kyle Mur- Kyler Murray's games, like where do you see him making the biggest steps? And, and do you think this is sustainable in terms of him playing like an MVP throughout the entire season? Yeah, so so the deep ball accuracy has always been there. Like you watch him as a rookie and a second year guy when he had those opportunities, he is like freaky accurate, which you might not think because he's so mobile. But then you watch him week after week, like I do, and it's like the 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 tools that he has are just incredible with the way he can run and throw. For whatever reason, the first two years, those off schedule plays that you were talking about on the scrambles they weren't connecting very often. And I don't know if that was Kyler not seeing the guys downfield or the receivers not getting open on scramble drills, but it's definitely been an added element this season. And you would think it's sustainable. Like you said, he's got the mobility guys are worried about him running. So they'll come up and then guys should be open. And now that you have Rondale Moore with like Deandre Hopkins and AJ green, I think they can do it. Um, You know, MVP pace, it's always hard to say, can anybody stay on an MVP pace besides Patrick Mahomes? Um, but I don't think it's fluky for what Kyler Murray's done. His accuracy is just through the roof, and I think he's really gotten in a good groove within the offense. So I do expect him to keep playing, certainly at a Pro Bowl level and maybe an All-Pro level. It's just, you know, MVP is such a high bar. I don't know if he'll if he'll reach that all season. It feels like if he keeps doing this, it's going to be hard not to give it to him. He's been, he's been unbelievable. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, though, is the Cardinals offensive line. I feel like Kyler Murray spends so much time outside of the pocket. Is that a is that just a characteristic of his quarterback play where that's just how, how he's comfortable and that's where their offense is going to thrive when when he's getting outside the pocket and getting into those scramble drills that you talked about, or is that an, an impact of the, the offensive line and the offensive line, maybe not, um, maybe not being great in pass protection. Yeah. So you look at the, the pass block win rate metric that ESPN does, which I like and how long, how often do they hold up for 2.5 seconds and the Cardinals are number four in the NFL. So they do grade them wow. well, as far as doing that. I think it is a characteristic of Kyler Murray where probably all his life he sees a defender, he knows how to hit that eject button and get away from him. So if he sees anybody in his periphery, he's more willing to go than, say, a regular pocket passer. So I don't think it's uh, an indictment of the offensive line at all. I think it's more just Kyler Murray's style of play. So Cliff Kingsbury is, um, I think somewhat of a polarizing coach. A lot of people wonder, is he, is he the real deal is, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the air raid offense obviously works for them and, and they've done a really good job of uh, putting playmakers around Murray. And, and it seems like the scheme is really working, but just from an overall like game management perspective and, and running the entire program, uh, what, what's your, what's your opinion of cliff in terms of those things, maybe outside of scheme and outside of just, you know, I guess the offensive coordinator play calling side, like, is he a legitimate head coach? And do you think he's on a path right now to maybe changing the perception people might have of him? Yeah. I don't really subscribe to like, I need my coach to be this CEO type or this raw, raw leader. Like I'm very into the numbers and I'd rather have a, a really good play caller as my coach, because I think that matters more than some of the stuff that we just say a head coach should be. Uh, so, and he's definitely not like um, this guy who is going to be raw, raw. He's not a disciplinarian. He's just a very low key guy, which I appreciate. Some people don't, um, but I don't think that's going to stop him from doing well. And I mean, you look at the numbers this season and you look at the, the, the trajectory the Cardinals have been on since he was hired. I mean, they were easily the worst team in football when he came on and, and they keep on getting better and better. So it's hard to argue with the results that he he's gotten. And as far as like an in-game management perspective, I think there were issues the first two seasons um, late in games, he gets a little bit conservative and they haven't been close enough in a game this season to see if that's changed. But like, 
usually on fourth down, he's very aggressive. And then late in game, sometimes he'll change that. So I think that's the one area he can improve where he sticks to the numbers and the percentages all game and, and doesn't get conservative in the last two minutes when sometimes a long field goal on fourth and one isn't the right call, even though it's bold to go for it. I think if he starts showing that growth, then I think he'll be a really good head coach. So the Cardinals go into week one and they beat a Titans team that I'm not buying. I wasn't buying them before the season. I'm still not buying them. They get a short missed field goal from the Vikings to win that game. They beat up on the Jaguars who are a disaster. Then they go into a, the Rams game. They go into LA, a game that I didn't think they had much of a chance to win. And they kind of went in and dominated. Was that something you expected? And was that kind of the win that to you made this? It made to me it made this like a legit start for them. Where did you land on that win last Sunday? Yeah, I agree completely. I thought it was an encouraging 3-0 and start, but it was easy to dismiss, especially weeks two and three, and say, hey, they're not that good. I probably put a little bit more stock in that Titans game because they were on the road and just dominated from start to finish. Um, but clearly beating the Rams the way they did is the aha moment to me. It's like, okay, and I wrote about it this week. I said – I think the Cardinals are Super Bowl contenders off of what they've done in totality and off that game. Like, you don't go and beat the Rams like that if you're not a very talented football team. So I think a lot of people have kind of taken that tact as well. And I think the Cardinals are definitely legit. We'll see what happens with, you know, injuries and they're bound to be setbacks. But it's hard to be 4-0 with wins against the Titans and the Rams on the road like that and, and for people to not believe that you're legitimate. So uh, sort of uh, on the back of that idea, like we saw, I think we, there's an element of that Rams game that, you know, maybe the Rams put a lot of energy into their week, their week earlier, right. When they played Tampa. And then I'm sure the Cardinals put a lot into that game against the Rams and, and, you know, maybe the Rams had a letdown after Tampa. And if you were to continue that logic, maybe the Cardinals have a letdown against, you know, somewhat of a reeling 49ers team coming off to a two game losing streak. Um, I, I guess it, it, it's impossible really to predict in the NFL, like who's going to be up and who's going to be down from an energy perspective. But is there an element that it, you've gathered from the team this week or reading coverage or, or whatever that like, are they protecting against, a possible letdown given how big that game was against the Rams and knowing that, Hey, there might be un some unknown with the 49ers and that they have a rookie quarterback. Who's probably going to do a lot of things. The team hasn't put on film yet. Yeah. I think, you know, their, their mantra from what I've read is taking it one week at a time. Like every right. team says, like if you, you know, if you talk to a, another media member, I'm sure they'd be all over this, this storyline of letdowns and stuff. I just don't subscribe to it really. Like, I feel like, the better team is usually going to win, but it's also a high variance league where you look back at like the Niners Cardinals game last year, the Cardinals had all the motivation in the world in week 16 to beat the Niners and, and make it to the playoffs basically. And they lost that game. So I just think like, I think the Niners are a very good football team. I've been a fan of the Niners and they've, you know, underperformed a little bit, but if their quarterback situation gets worked out, I think they're a very good team. So more so than a letdown, I just think it's not the easiest matchup, especially with what San Francisco usually does on the ground and the way the Cardinals have struggled against the run. So for me, it's just more of like an X's and O's perspective. And I do think it's a tough matchup for the Cardinals because of the way these two teams match up. If you knew that one of Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance – like if you knew Jimmy Garoppolo was starting, would you feel differently about this game than you do if Trey Lance was starting? Yeah, I I'm I would be more scared of Trey Lance. I think Kyle Shanahan can do a lot of stuff in the run game, especially with a full week of game planning with Trey Lance, which I kind of feel like is going to happen this week. Where I'm it with seems you. to me like <laughs> Trey Lance is going to play. Um, so yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, it, to me, it's like I've seen the Niners run over a lot of teams without a mobile quarterback, and now they've got somebody who can do some of this fun stuff. So the, Jimmy G is who he is at this point. I, I'm a little bit more scared of Trey Lance. We'll get you out of here on this. You you have a prediction for Sunday? Um, I think the 
Cardinals will win, but I think it'll be by a field goal. I think the spread's five and a half right now. I would I would yeah. take San Francisco to to cover the spread. Yeah, it's a lot of. I'm points. interested I, to I'm see. I'm interested to see if the line moves at all if Trey Lance is officially announced as starter, because I think it opened at four, and now it's up to five and a half. And there's a lot of interested to see that. There's a lot of love for the Cardinals right now, and people are you know jumping on them after that start. But I, I, I just think it goes back to the matchup. I think it'll be close. I mean, maybe the Cardinals will surprise and just keep dominating. But looking at the way it kind of lines up, I think. I think San Fran will have success running the ball and the game might not be as explosive as I think, although I've said that a couple times about the Cardinals and they keep putting up 30 plus points a game, so maybe I'll be surprised again. But I do like the Niners to keep this one close. Awesome. All right, man. Chris, you got anything else? No, I'm, I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot of great stuff, man. We'll, uh, we'll follow your work and um, enjoy the game on Sunday. Appreciate that. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.